Hey everybody, hey, it's Danny. Hey guys, it's Sharia, and we are back for another random collection of emotions, thoughts, and interesting facts. It's Spin the Bottle, guys. Who knows? Today is a special one because we've got a doctor in the house. Our guest is Kirsten Carl, a marriage and family therapist based in L.A. And we will be chatting it up with her about boundaries. Guys, this is a super important conversation because boundaries keep you safe, sane, and in my opinion, significantly happier. They're not just good for you. They are great for the people in your life. They signal to others that, as my mother used to say, I am not the one, honey. Or, I am not one of your little friends. Did your mom ever say that? <laughs> yes. This is not. Yes. This is not this kind of party. Anyway. It's totally true. And you know what, Drea? Mm, what? This is a great opportunity for a word. A word of the day? Yes. I'm not sure why you, <laughs> you always must pause before that one. <laughs> because it's it just makes big reveal. so happy. <laughs> All right, guys. I I knew you were going (laughs) to. Today's word of the day is insouciance, which is a noun and means casual lack of concern or indifference. In other words, in my opinion, Donald Trump gives off an air of childish insouciance. Kind of like a toddler. Let that sink in. Guys, I want to tell you a little bit about my friend Drea. If you know anything about her, she is a grazer and a snacker. She loves to roam about in pantries, Mm. in in freezers, and refrigerators. Need a little snack. (laughs) It's true. I do love snacks. You might say that I have a strong relationship with said snacks. Um, Once upon a time, I had a strong nap game. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're probably wondering where this is going. I have many questions. <laughs> Always. Well, guys, this segment is called Snacks and Naps. And it's about the practical things that you can do to treat yourself. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Treat, treat yourself, yourself <laughs> Danielle had never heard that before. And so Sorry. I had to. That's okay. I appreciate you jumping on the bandwagon with me to I say got you back. treat yourself. 2017. 2017. 2017. Right, right, right. So depending on how scholarly I feel, I may even mention the effect that said wonderful self-care tips or snacks and naps have on your mental state, according to Google, of course. So listen at your own risk. I am so ready. I'm glad you're ready. Since this is titled Snacks and Naps, and they are two of my very favorite things, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about just self-care and treatment and recently we did a an episode on body and beauty image our beauty and body image and one of the things that I said made me feel the most beautiful was just self-care or just like a face mask or taking time to to read a book or taking time by myself so that's really important to me and I think it's something that happened when I was young. My mom really cared a lot about just beauty and she cared about body scrubs and face masks and she'd spend a lot of time just kind of taking care of herself, which I, so I had that as a role model. That reminds me of my mom doing mani-pedi days with me and you. Oh yeah? With us too. That's nice. Yes, my mom was like, she loved her feet and she was always about 
a really nice pedicure. Okay. You know, she plucked my eyebrows when I was maybe 10. I don't nice. know. She was just <laughs> all about it. Anyway, I think that taking care of yourself is huge, especially when everyone in our culture is just so busy and we're always rushing. And we have a lot of friends that are always trying to create something or build something. They're just always on the go. We have one friend who's like always in a meeting. Like always all the time. in a meeting. You know who you are. <laughs> no, Matt, you know who you are. Just could be 11 o'clock at night. O'clock. She's like, I have right, a right. meeting. I have a meeting. Oh, okay. Well, okay, sure. And okay, so snacks and naps. Napping. I think sleep is so important. I realize I'm just a person that needs to nap. And other people have different levels of energy and they need a little, they might never need a nap and some people don't even like to. But I definitely need a nap on most days. And <laughs> although I do, I need it. And it might be because I wake up super early and I need a little boost to get me through the rest of the day. But I wanted to talk about just some of the benefits of sleep. Um, one of the things that happens when you take a nap is that it increases your alertness. Okay, so if your eyelids are just crazy heavy and you are really struggling to stay up throughout the day, then make some time and take a nap. Okay, there was a study, a NASA study that Mm. found that a 40 minute nap increases alertness by 100 percent. Just 100 percent. 40 minutes. 40 minutes may seem pretty long. That's pretty long. Right. And then there are other studies that say that a 20 minute nap is more effective. Yep, a power nap is more effective than a cup of coffee or even just a little bit of exercise. So just think about if you have a little break at work, you might wanna go take a little nap. Or if you are an entrepreneur, you might want to just schedule in a little bit of 20 minutes, a little break, take a little nap. Um, It also improves learning and working memory. So working memory is involved when you are working on really complex tasks. And then you have to pay attention and you have to hold like more information in your mind while you're doing it, this particular task. And so that will help increase your ability to do that and increase your memory as well. It's okay. So listen, sleeping improves learning. I never need a reason really to take a nap. To take a nap. Some people really do. Some people really do. (laughs) Okay. Prevents burnout and reverses information overload. I think that's just self-explanatory. Like... If you rest a little bit, mm-hmm. you won't burn out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's better to take like 30 minutes than like work, work, work. And I know how that is. Like sometimes you're just so creative and you want to finish something and you're almost done. That's me. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. But then it, you're actually more productive if you just chill out, take a little short nap, not, a, not like an hour or two long. Mm-hmm. It heightens your senses and creativity. Ooh. There's a nap scientist. <laughs> oh. Okay. Her name is Sarah Mednick, and it says napping can improve your sensory perception as effectively as a night of sleep. I mean, that means things just taste better. Things just look clearer. Like, wow. This can all come from just taking a little dose in the wow. middle of the day. It improves your health because you're not sleep deprived, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. It'll boost your immune system. It will reduce your stress and anxiety. It's lovely. It improves your mood. That's just like, you don't even really need a reason. It will improve your mood. You don't need a scientific backing for that, okay? And then I like, <laughs> the last one is, it saves money. Because what? Because you're not spending money on coffee. Or Amazon. Or Amazon. What are you doing on Amazon? 
you know, buying erroneous things. <laughs> because you can't sleep? Because I can't sleep. Oh, my gosh. Scrolling through Pinterest. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so the, this is just one of the lists that I found about naps and sleeping and the benefits of it. And it's really wonderful. I think these are things that people already know. Like, napping is good for you. But it's still hard to do because I think there's something attached to sleeping that makes people feel lazy or like, have you ever heard of the hashtag or just anyone saying team no sleep? Like if you're sleeping, <laughs> team no sleep means if you're sleeping, then you're not out here getting reaching your goals. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's like looked upon as someone who, oh, that person's so productive, so successful, so wonderful. But I mean, Ariana Huffington, who is it Huffington who wrote yes. the... Um, of Huffington Post. Thrive. She wrote an entire book on just sleep. Doesn't matter. She wasn't sleeping. And then one day she passed out from exhaustion. Yeah, that's and, what happened. Um, and she's like, she woke up and said, I'm busted her face open. I'm already book about it. Like so, that's how sleep deprived she was. Right. And mm-hmm. so that's why she's like, you must sleep. Women, men, whoever Everybody. you are, take a nap. Um, but I know that it's hard. It's hard to sit down and say, one, like I work all day. How am I going to get a nap in? Or, you know, fighting the the culture of I got to get this job done because if I don't do it, then it's never going to happen. So what I want you guys to do is l- figure out how you're going to take 20 minutes for yourself this week. Not every day. I would love it. Like, that would be so great if you could do it every day. Just 20 minutes of time just for you. I'd like for you to find something that you like to do. Maybe it's taking a walk. Maybe it's writing in your journal. Maybe you need to pick out a book. But all I'm asking is that you would schedule a 20 minutes rest of some sort. So if you do have a nine to five like I do, you might have even a work hour or um, a lunch hour. And in that lunch hour, maybe you take 20 minutes and you are having a nice cup of coffee or tea or whatever just like a moment to have by yourself maybe you're going on a walk maybe you are just breathing maybe you want to do a little stretching I have an alarm on my phone that says time to stretch I really do (laughs) I really do and then I have one that tells me to drink water that one's harder for me so we'll work on that but can you guys find in your week just one 20 minute segment can you do it Danny I do this. You're right like, I don't even need <laughs> I'm already about it. I'm about it. <laughs> right. I have journal time and I have nap time. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I just have so many friends who honestly just don't feel like, and we have friends that are moms, a lot of friends who are out there running the world, and they're just having a hard time to, sitting down and just taking a little bit of time for themselves. So whether it's like a face mask, whether it's, you know, you're sitting down Um, watching your favorite show for 20 minutes, like something. I wouldn't say jump on social media because that's what you like to do because I feel like that creates just like a scattered brain. (laughs) I I wouldn't say that, but I know other people that probably would. But just 20 minutes for you. Can you do that? Treat yourself. Treat yourself. 2017. 2017. Do it. I think it'll it'll bless your heart. Okay, guys. So we want to know what you think about napping. (laughs) and maybe give us some information on your favorite snacks we'd like to hear shoot us an email at ddspinthebottle at gmail.com and we will share your feedback on the show and if it's really good we'll do an entire spinoff just for you right about now it's about that time 
Hey, okay, <laughs> it's time to spin the bottle. Yes, 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 yes. Here are the categories for this week. Currently crushing. Because we think it's really important that you guys know what we like. <laughs> so important. <laughs> I feel a way because we have thoughts and feelings about people and their issues. More issues than Vogue. Black cinema. Because Denzel. Washington. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Hypothetically speaking, we have our favorite shows and characters, but sometimes they be tripping and we have to discuss. Spoiler alerts may be coming. Totally. I'm, dang it. I'm not prepared for the spoiler alerts. I don't think I'm prepared. <laughs> for your consideration, as you all know, we absolutely love podcasts, books, movies, and creative folk. So once in a while, we'll recommend um, some great listening or reading material, and this is where you can find it. Mom, mom, these are <laughs> things we wished our mothers had warned us about because adulthood called and we are struggling. Okay? <laughs> this could also be called Adulting 101 or Somebody Help or even First World Problems because I'm wondering, do people have these problems <laughs> in other parts of the country? Like every one of my high school friends is complaining about being an adult. <laughs> it's crazy. I have a friend who started a page called Hacking 30. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I was like, okay, sure. I love it. Oh my gosh. All right, let's spin the bottle. Mom. Mama. Mama. My mom's like, just call me. You don't have to do a podcast about what I didn't warn you about. <laughs> you go first, Dre. Hmm. What am I concerned about oh listen i don't think my mom gave me enough information about taxes i don't think <laughs> anyone knows enough information about taxes mm. i think we all put on a brave face and we just kind of say i'm gonna hire someone to do this i'm gonna <laughs> call somebody else to do this and yeah that's what i'm thinking about now in this month of march it's taxes, and I, I I don't even, like, I have no clue. I don't know. It's not something we sat down and discussed, you know? It wasn't, like, a topic of conversation at the dinner table. It, it wasn't Such about... Such a different environment than my home. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really okay. wasn't. There's one thing my mom is about. It's it taxes. Is taxes. <laughs> that is. Listen, I sat down with your mom, and I was like, oh, oh. No, I'm talking, like, 16, uh, 17 years old. Like, we're having oh, family meetings about taxes. I love, listen, I <laughs> yeah. love it. My mom was yeah. much more about since she <laughs> because she went to school for um, psychology. It was always nice. about let's let's talk about what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Let's mm -hmm. talk about what you know when you're angry. What you might want to say <laughs> is you know yes. this, this is my mom and yes. um and she talked about money, but but taxes just we did not. She didn't show me the forms. She didn't. <laughs> Mom, I guess she figured she was going to hire someone, too. So it's fine. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, that's my little mom thing. OK, so my mom is super amazing and she taught me a lot of things. And I don't know if moms are actually supposed to teach you this because we had a very au naturel household. <laughs> but our mom's supposed to teach you how to do makeup, because if that's your mom was looking out. 
Listen, she did or she didn't. No, I am. She did not. Oh, okay. we were an oh natural household, and by that uh, I mean nobody really I get wore it, makeup. I get it. Yeah. My mom wears makeup very rarely. Um, she's a beautiful lady. She's beautiful, you know. And I feel very comfortable, you know, natural. And for the most part, you and I are pretty natural. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's a mom's job to kind of pass the baton on makeup application, right. we miss the boat. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what brushes belong to what. I am notorious for mixing up my bronzer brush with my foundation brush, and so I'll have bronzer there was a all over my face. Oh <laughs> yes, yes, I know not and, to mix the two because you will be well. A and you generally, mess. I don't even tell, and then it's like a friend who's like, "Honey," especially my best friend. She's always like, "Did you use the bronzer brush again?" And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> did I do it again?" <laughs> like I don't. I always know how. feel like your makeup looks lovely, so you must You're have very some sweet. times when you're just like not feeling. No, I. it's just, job. even to this day, I just really don't know how to do makeup. And eyeliner is really tricky for me. We should do some videos. I don't on, know how to master doing us. my own eyeliner. Or how uh, you really shade, like, shadows, like, different colors. Like, you ooh. know, I do, like, one color. And maybe a little something in the crease. That's as advanced as I can get. But you know how people really yeah. do things. There's things that can happen. Do you want to watch some That's these videos? young girls now watching YouTube. They know That's how to do everything. What happened to Wet and Wild? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You, know, you had to go through the horror. Listen, right. So Mom's many like, you're going tutorials. to church with that lipstick. Okay. <laughs> right. I mean, I come from the generation where you got your makeup at like Save-On. It yeah. wasn't like there were no matte counter. Like, I mean, nobody that was a teenager or in yeah. high school was going to matte. At least nobody I knew, you or know, not anymore. Or contouring. I don't that? know anything about contouring. I mean, we came These from teenage wet girls wild, out here. Lip smackers. You got a little lip gloss, maybe some cover girl. Yes, and that lip was, smackers. That was as far what as about it, wet and wild. Wet and wild. <laughs> yes. All of that. But as far as like the, oh, no, you're using the wrong brush. And I'm like, what? What brush? There was one brush in the pack. I I own three brushes. (laughs) Right. I own three brushes. I don't know why. I said, this is the big brush. This is the (laughs) medium-sized brush. And the little brush. Yes. So, Mommy, if that was supposed to happen, I think we all missed that train. And I have a feeling her mom didn't teach her either. So Mm -hmm. I think this may go further back Mm -hmm. than just my mom. So interesting. But I don't know. Because some women just inherit that and just know how to do their makeup. It just, I didn't. I don't know. That's one of the few things my mom did. <laughs> See? Oh, she See? did? Skincare and a little bit of makeup. See? My mom was definitely about skincare. Like, she was always... Well, my mom was always picking at my face and telling me not to pick at my face. But, then she <laughs> but she No, my mom was big on skincare, yeah. and, but it was never makeup. It was like, wash yeah. your face, and this is how you, you know, take care of certain things. But it was totally. not, you know, when you're applying an eyeliner, like liquid eyeliner, to save my life. Right. I can't Liquid apply eyeliner it. is too hard. It's so difficult. I don't know how anybody does I it. I right. remember Yeah. No, I remember as a kid like finding my mom's liquid eyeliner and create I I was really good. I'm not as good as I was when I was 14. Really? Yeah, and I wasn't supposed to. That's the thing my mom wasn't about me wearing makeup. Neither was long, my mom for a long time. Neither was my mom. So I would do my liquid eyeliner and before she saw it and then you know what else I do? I take my liquid eyeliner and give myself a beauty mark. <gasps> Look at you. Oh, yeah. That was like the precursor to contour. I had a beauty mark. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I'm just going to pretend like there's a mole <laughs> above my lip. A la Cindy Crawford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my mom, she was, it's funny, like I said before, she did arch my eyebrows, but she was like, you shall not wear lipstick. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. lipstick for you, none of that stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah it's true. a different time. It's a different mm-hmm. time. And especially like younger girls, I'm fascinated by them. At 15 and 16, they're like full on face. And I'm like, 
one way yeah, you, you have the rest it. of your life to worry about you have that. the rest of your life and you have this beautiful glow but like it was it's just different now like the way different you know makeup you can add a clavicle did you know that you can add clavicles with contour and cleavage gonna, yeah. there's so many no. things you can do with i've contouring. seen i've seen the clavicle and the cleavage i was like it's wow. crazy that's a lot of effort Didn't anywho i missed the boat so the good thing is i'm, I'm just gonna buy some more lip smackers I love lip smackers. Coca-Cola. They still make wet and wild. Yeah. Coca-Cola flavor. Yes. I used to love Dr. Pepper. That was my favorite. That's what it was. It wasn't Coca-Cola. It was Dr. Pepper. Yeah. It's the Mm -hmm. one. It's the one. Anyways, Mama, I still love you. And, you know, we'll just be au natural and beautiful together. Our guest today is Kirsten Carl, and we're super excited to have her because she's an actual professional. So it's not just going to be Drea and I musing about with our thoughts, which are valuable, but it's always awesome to have a professional in the house. So we are really excited that you're here to offer some of your jewels and your wisdom. Um, And boundaries are really important, I think, for relationships, for self-awareness, for yourself. And I've been going through a season in my life, if you will, where I've been learning a lot about boundaries and trying to implement them. So we thought it would be great to kind of share the knowledge. So we welcome you here. Thank you. I'm very excited. Yes, thank you so much for coming in. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about what it is you do? Okay. Hello, everyone. As I said, I'm Kirsten Carl. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I have a private practice in Encino near Balboa and Ventura. And so even though my title or my license is uh, marriage and family therapist, it also includes individuals. So I see adults, couples, adolescents, kids, and families. So I've been practicing for 10 years now, and some of my specialties include, include trauma, including sexual abuse, couples, adolescents, mother-daughter relationships, and faith-based therapy, although I do see clients outside of these specializations. And the joy of my life is creating an atmosphere of compassion, wisdom, and guidance where clients are empowered to gain clarity about their experiences and discover healing in their broken places. So I feel very honored to walk beside my clients through these difficult places and um, just be there for all all stages of the therapy. And so, yeah, thanks for having it's me. It's amazing. It's really, really great. Um, you said you've been practicing for 10 years. It's hard to believe, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> and have you always, like what led you to this field? Well, when I was 14, uh, I basically had this dream of becoming a therapist. And for some reason, I couldn't see myself doing anything other than that. However, my dad is a very opinionated person and he said, well, why would you want to listen to people's problems all day? And I was like, well, if I ever become a therapist, like my dad's not going to help me with school. I'm going to be totally on my own. <laughs> so so I, drew, I went down this path at San Diego State where I took courses in almost every department. Like I had way oh, more Oh my units. gosh, you sound like me. <laughs> I had so many more way. units than the right ones. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I was trying to find my way. I started off undeclared, and that only went on for so long. And <laughs> they were like, you have to declare major. Then I was communications with emphasis in public relations, because I thought, well, that's Aww, something that's true. Public relations. Awesome. So then I was like, okay, I don't think this is really for me. So the counselor at San Diego State said, well, just this is old school, you know, yeah. um, flip through the book. Yes, which major was interesting and I left and I was like that's the worst advice ever I was like I've already seen all the majors but I sat down in my dorm room and I'm like looking through and I was like oh United States geography that looks interesting so I signed up for the class 
And I got the highest grade in the class. And I was like, that's not the only reason I stayed. But I really liked it. It was interesting <laughs> to me. So I was like, perfect. Now I chose something that my dad will approve of. And so he'll help me like continue on in school. And so although I really was truly interested in it, it wasn't my passion. And so um, after I finally finished at San Diego State, I decided to take a couple of years off and work and think about what I really wanted to do. And so my heart led me back to my original dream so of being a therapist. Interesting. Totally. And, it, and it's my dad never even remembered saying that. Like I mentioned that to him once and he's like, I don't know. I remember saying that. You're like, so do you like, know how much time I'm yeah. wasting? You're like, all because Just of kidding. that one comment. <laughs> totally. I, I say it's so interesting because it was something that you'd said from the beginning. Right. Yeah. It was like the very first inner thought that you had. And it's just so interesting how like when you start to follow those inner pulls, like how where your life is. It's true. So, yeah, I guess we're going to dig into this boundaries conversation. And I think this is a really important and helpful topic personally. Um, And there's a book that I read called Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. And it was really amazing. There was a lot of things in there that I found very helpful and very applicable for my life. And one of the things um, or the way that he defines uh, boundaries is a property line and he to give a visual and he breaks it down into purpose and into function. So just from your idea or, or not from your idea, but from your vantage point, can you just explain to the audience what boundaries are and why they're important? Like what function do you think they serve? So yeah, boundaries are like, like you said, Danny, a huge topic <laughs> that impacts, I think, every single person. And so there are different analogies that are used for setting or what boundaries are. Yes. Um, one way to explain it would be a system of limit setting that mm-hmm. both protects you from being a victim and also to contain yourself so that you don't unknowingly like victimize others or put too much on other people. I like that. So it's kind of containment and protection. Yeah. So containment is like what containing yourself and protection is. It, there's this really cool like stick drawing, which I can, <laughs> I'll show it to you sometimes. But there's this little stick man and he has his hand out and that says like um, protection. And then there's a little stick man who kind of has his hand here and it says containment. Ah. So. When you say hand here, you mean like on his Yeah, stomach. like on his heart or mm-hmm. whatever you want to imagine, like just A internal. person? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> on their body. I know it's a weird visual, but it's like old school. So um, I heard it described by uh, Dr. Brene Brown, who you may yes. be familiar We're with. Yes, big fan. Love her. Person. Yeah, love totally. Her so she said, when you really boil it down, um, boundaries are limits that establish what is okay and what's not okay mm-hmm. for us in relationship to others. Um, another visualization is of a compass. There's only two points, yes and no. Mm, got it. <laughs> and so if you really ask yourself, there's really only yes or no, but we cloud our compass with feelings. And mm. then we let our emotions get in the way, like shame or guilt mm. or, or um, yeah, just different emotions. So it's really key to listen to that compass without emotions getting in the way. And so another uh, visual visualization that I love is the protective bubble or shield around you. So if you imagine this kind of That's really bubble good. or shield, yeah, totally. It's like you can both catch things out there, as I've heard it say. So it's like when people say things or do things or feel things, like you can catch it out there and you go, hmm, okay. Like I need a pause. I'm not going to just like automatically take that in as being true. And so then, yeah, you can filter yourself from accepting thoughts feelings or behaviors from other people that you don't feel are are right and then also that bubble can like i said help shield other people because you can kind of like catch your own Mm -hmm. thoughts feelings emotions and behavior out here 
like, hmm, maybe I need to pause. Maybe I'm not going to like do that right away or send that email right away or whatever it is. And so that bubble can move in or out as you control distance or touch with others or as you respect the right right of others to do so. That Now we're talking more about like personal space. There's physical boundaries like don't come in my space. Yes. Right. There's sexual boundaries that go along with that. And then there's internal boundaries. So, right. so it's either like this kind of bubble or gate or filter that you imagine like that can move back and forth like it's not the same answer every time of how far it is so it's 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 basically like space around yourself i know it's kind of hard to like no yeah no yeah that's that's actually really good Mm -hmm. cool so yeah it's like i said both for internal and external boundaries Mm -hmm. and so i don't know do you want me to talk a little bit more about what those are right now or should i hold off on that yeah i think some specific examples of boundaries would be yeah good okay Okay, so um, the first type of boundary is the external physical boundary. So that's, I have a right to control how close you get to me and whether or not you get to touch me and or my personal property. So that's external and it's physical. And mm-hmm. so that's protection of you from other people. Now there's also containment. So that's this, that, the same thing is true for, for us as well. You have a right to decide how close I get to you. So. Got it. So so an external boundary looks like, um, let's just say you don't get to use my computer. <laughs> like, I'm not comfortable with you using my physical things or I'm not comfortable with you um, getting so close to me in my personal space. And totally. that's my boundary, right? Yes. But it's then external and it's physical. It's external and it's physical. Got but it. the containment part is I'm not going to impede Andrea's things. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or, or move stuff around on my desk. Or move right. Or go, okay. through my, go through my cabin <laughs> looking for snacks. Yeah. Drea, <laughs> you have crossed my external physical boundaries. Well, well, totally. Well. Okay. Got yeah, it. that's yeah. So then we talked about the protection and containment, like mm-hmm. we said earlier. It goes both ways basically. And then there's the second type of ex- external and it's sexual boundary. Interesting. It's so it's very important boundary. So yeah. consent. We're talking in some ways consent right like right like when someone's approaching me sexually i have the right to control when where how and with whom i'm going to be sexual yes so that can be every anything from oh this was my favorite this guy who would always like come come down like uh like a vulture like for a hug and he'd come toward me and i'd be like oh no no like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah still anyways be like oh and i was like dude doesn't he like read my you, signals ugh. I love signals. that is such a good question and Learn I don't how understand to read the room read yeah. the signals it's some crazy. guys just don't seem to they get don't it s- and women too yeah, yeah. women must this. respond to it okay. so it's it's yeah. so the external sexual is just I have a right and then the containment aspect of that looks like what I'm I'm gonna read your signals and I'm not gonna like swoop in for a hug or right because that seemed oh, to make you like, uncomfortable just being a decent person i guess no I'm just <laughs> yeah. yeah those yeah. ones are good because it's more it's kind of like more concrete in a way mm-hmm. than the internal boundary but but when we're talking about um you know moments where you know some people believe that in some respects especially sexually like a little you know i'm giving you a signal that i don't want it right but really i do or somebody takes the signal and says oh no means yes in some instances if that makes sense like we're playing a very sexy cat and mouse situation like what are your thoughts about that i think yeah there's a lot of people out there including women who send like mixed messages yes when we were in high school it was like 
You didn't show your bra. Like, I don't know. You didn't show. No, there were things. You there just were things didn't you do it. That was like do. even the sluttiest girls didn't come to school like wearing like pretty much a bra with like tiny right. thing. Hanging now it's it. just style. No. Right. Yeah. And, and now it's like that's. And you would say for men, that's a mixed signal or I think I for mean, high school boys. Like it never excuses. Like nothing excuses mm-hmm. a boundary violation. However, guys, if they see that, they start to think, well, all women want that or they all want that kind of attention. And yeah. Like, no. So I think, does that kind of give me a little bit more about the No, questions? it does. I just, I know sometimes we say, you know, explicitly like, no, you know, read my signals. And I think sometimes, especially with dating and with sex, mm-hmm. things can get a little bit more confusing because, you know, it's not always women. It could be men too, but sometimes there's, that want to play coy and so you're acting like you don't really want to but you really do you're really hoping it that he'll come for it or vice versa and so you're not giving the appropriate signal and then sometimes it can go really wrong where it's like no I'm really saying no and you're taking Mm -hmm. that as a yes and my no is really a no right so I was just any thoughts you had on particularly with dating and sex the signals that we send because sometimes we say read the room, but it's tough with men and women. Sometimes it gets very lost in translation. Don't you think, Dre? Sometimes I honestly, my very first thought is that there's a bit of a trust issue that has to, that comes into play with those sorts of things, and that's why I think I tend to be on the more conservative side of like sexually playing with other people that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm married now, but even before when I was dating, it's just like. You can't just assume, and I think this is what happens, is that people say, oh, women like this and men like this. Mm-hmm. And so they begin to use those those categories or those, um, I guess, those descriptors to interact with each woman or each man that they the see. The same thing. The same thing. They yeah. just use it over yeah. and over in hopes that it will work. And so <laughs> my very first, because they think, oh, this is, this is how you are sexy. This is how you get a woman to pay attention to you. This is how you get a man to pay attention to you. And so what I think of is that it, it's, it's probably very hard like when you're dating and you want to flirt. I mean, I think I think women and men they they do send like certain signals when they're flirting and things like that. But there is something that something to do with trust that comes into play when you're doing that with someone. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think it's something to think about for sure. Just like how much do you trust that this person is going to read your signals, quote unquote? Yeah. Um, and do you need to have more of a conversation? I don't know. I just, that's just how my brain works. It's just like, hmm. I mean, I'm sure you could test it out and see, you know, how they might respond to certain stuff and then decide if you're going to go even further. So, I don't know. A lot of assumptions. <laughs> a lot of that's assumptions. That's what I mean. I was, you, a lot yeah, of assumptions. This is what girls want. Yeah. yeah. This is what guys want. So yeah. many assumptions. I think that's because we almost have made those types of conversations like, taboo because it doesn't seem as fun or playful it's like you don't want to ask somebody do you want to have sex or not (laughs) right or do you you know are you you okay with me this yes but honestly that's almost the only way that you know for sure that's almost the way only way you know for sure is to have those direct conversations and then just to like you know you test the waters a little bit 
it's interesting because I do think a lot of times we want things to be very mysterious and romantic. But like we've said that like certain levels of elusiveness are really <laughs> kind of sexy and mysterious. Yeah. But I think sometimes when you're sexy. grown up and you're communicating well, you need to have certain conversations a la do you how often do you like to have sex right. do you want to have sex are we ready to have like you just need to have conversations yeah. and i think a Grown lot of times there's a lot of um assumptions that happen and even it's funny because i don't want to make this just about men with the women because women we can do this to men too it may look a little differently but i know there are very real examples of friends i've had in situations where it's like a woman has read some signals very wrong and thought a relationship was happening or something was happening and really put that on the guy and the guy's like i never wait hold up <laughs> i never said that i never did I'm that so biased we never... about those conversations and then you know like, how I feel. i'm like they're always lying <laughs> you know no, but sometimes <laughs> that's how I, sometimes no. that's not the case and in some ways that's a violation of their boundaries you know too where mm-hmm. you know you're making this something that we didn't ever speak about that i didn't ever implicitly act on or anything mm-hmm. and now i'm the bad guy who hurt your feelings you know mm. It's all about it's communication. True. Communication. Do you like me? Do you? Do, yes <laughs> or no? Check like the me? box. Check the box. Yes or no? Smiley that face helps. or no smiley, smiley face. face or no funny face? And yeah. then you open it and it's like 15 more questions. If you like me, then that's what well, we should have done. That's what we should have done. And I was like, oh no, does he think I really like him now? Like, And now with the advent of technology, now we're having to like decipher emoticons, which is like. Oh, okay. I don't really like it gosh, much. emoticons can mean so much. So much. And I it's funny because I actually did have a conversation with a guy friend of mine who I later found out liked me from work. And I had no idea. And one of the reasons that he was like, I don't know why you wouldn't know that. And I kid you not. This he is this is dating twenty this is twenty da- dating twenty. He referenced his emojis. He referenced his emojis. Uh, and I was like, What? what? Like, why would I is and he, he younger than you? He was younger. He was younger. He, he, he was 27. But he was like, I sent you. He was like, when we sent that text about the potluck, <laughs> just to give you an idea of what we were talking about. The he was like, luck? I said I would bring X, Y, Z. And uh, I sent you two kissy emoji- emojis. And oh, I my God. Like, Danielle, I just imagine him like waiting for your reply because he sent these two kissy emojis. I was like, and you were just like, okay, no emoji. I was like, thanks. I'll give you five dollars for the bucket of chicken. Like literally, it. Oh, you like? But the kissy faces really meant something to him, and so he thought that that had made a very clear message that he liked me. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm a grown, I'm a grown woman, and I'm gonna need you to use your words. How are we gonna? How are we gonna work with these people? So that's just interesting. That's crazy. Interesting. Yes. So generally we don't talk about boundaries like this explicitly. Like what is a boundary? What isn't it a boundary? And although I was familiar with a book on Henry Cloud, I think for me to set up boundaries in my life, no, I learn a lot of things through experience. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people do. But um, I remember I remember in college specifically just continually burning out on everything like I was trying to be involved in black student union I was trying to be in the marketing association I was trying to be <laughs> what, what else there was uh, the homecoming committee like mm-hmm. I just wanted to do everything and I would say yes to everything and that's just one of the ways that's not it's not as personal or like a relationship boundary but what are what are other types of boundaries that people need to be aware of or to set up um, totally yeah yeah, so we just talked about the external boundaries. 
So one of the other main categories of boundaries is an internal boundary system. So this is what contains and protects, again, both ways, going mm-hmm. in and coming, going out. Um, thinking, feelings, and behavior. So it functions as a blocker filter, expressing our own thoughts, feelings, and behavior, such as yes or no. And also a blocker filter for which through which we take in others' thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. So an example would be, um, so that, like I said, falls a lot about that yes and that no. And is that okay in terms of thoughts, feelings, and not just like the physical boundaries? Yeah. And so, so just because someone says something doesn't mean I have to receive it as true, right? Right. Or um, even processing a request on someone else's behalf, you know, uh, will you, I don't know, Drea, will you do this for me? And instead of just being the yes person automatically, which I have been in my life, <laughs> I've been, been the that, yes and person. that is a mm-hmm. that is a That's quick a way to burn out. To be. It's a quick way to burn out because you want to be totally. everything for everybody. Saying like, hmm, let me look at my calendar, let me look at my schedule. Like, I'm sorry, I can't. You don't no. have to say it. Right you don't away. have to totally. say yes, mm-hmm. which is revolutionary. I think. Mm-hmm. Where do you Most think that feeling of have? Where do you think that comes from? That feeling of like, I have to say yes to everybody's requests. I think we want to be liked. Mm-hmm. People don't mm-hmm. want to be like not liked or seen right. as, or we also want, don't want to disappoint people. Yeah. But yeah, the exactly irony is we ended thinking. up disappointing them. Like I remember like there was this girl who would like ask me to hang out and I just, she, impi- she impinged on my boundaries. Like yeah. she would just, I, in, in many different ways, like she wanted all this advice and then just okay, but it was like over beyond the pale. And like, she basically um, did this thing, this like weird thing. And she wanted me to pay her. She goes, oh, well, you know, you, you don't really have to pay me $50. I was like, we never, this isn't a service thing. Like I thought we were <laughs> friends and you were trying to practice your thing on me. So so anyways, like she would still text me and be like, hey, do you want to come over? And so sometimes I go and I was just like, oh my gosh, like I just really don't want to be here. And oh, yeah, no, that feels- so finally, you know, it ended up where I just, didn't answer her back and I felt like so I'm like I ended up disappointing her because I didn't want to disappoint her like it probably would have been better for me to just say you know not be mean but just say you know I just can't hang out right now yeah I've got a lot going on Mm -hmm. yeah and so yeah the irony of it is that you know ever since elementary school it's like we want to please other people the little girls in fourth grade like they all want to like look alike but they're Mm -hmm. but they're mean to each other so it's like we want (laughs) to conform yeah mm-hmm. and i think that yeah not wanting to disappoint is one of the major major I'd factors agree with there that. I'd, I'd agree with that and as we pause we can consider the impact of our own thoughts feelings and behavior on others so again taking that time to not have to answer right away mm-hmm. and i think also in our culture especially now with technology it's like we think we have to answer right away and it's like no we can say hey i need some time to think about that yeah and i think we are so inundated with automatic instant information and gratification these days that we don't know how to wait for any like wait to make a decision wait Mm -hmm. to give a comment wait for anything and i think you just see a lot of spewing social media is a great example of that it's right there right there right there right then right in the moment and you're talking you know sometimes you have to qualify your feelings i think you and i both do this i could do this i'm could probably take less time you know but i'm definitely am the type of processor where i will if I'm mad about something or angry about something, I will go inward first always. Like, I need to think about this and process this. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, I got over it in my own mind. And I realized where it was coming from and we don't need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Other times, you know, I have a few days and we're going to talk about it. But I'm going to be very clear about it. And I know for some people that's made them feel very rejected. Like, I'm like, I'm upset. I'm not, I don't want to talk right now. 
I will holler at you when I can. <laughs> but it's not because I'm trying to ignore them. It's I need to process what's happening and I need mm-hmm. to take the time to filter it out and figure out what is where. Totally. So I don't know if that's totally a healthy response. Um, but I do know I tend to be a lot slower to speak and slower to kind of post an opinion or usually if I'm mm-hmm. doing that I've thought about it very thoroughly just because yeah. of the way I you know the way I am yeah that's not it's just not it's not a thing that happened with the advent of social media it's just like how we are sort of built well how at least I know I do the same thing where I just need to think about it and process it versus just say something right away like all the time but sometimes it can help I think um to say what you need to say when you need to say it and I think that's something I need to work on that's no, I think I yeah, I think because I, I can I will sometimes it turns into stuffing for me. And that's that's a propensity that I'm aware of where it's like, that's OK, true. this is now turned into something else. So mm-hmm. what could have been a healthy conversation for you and I, I've now stuffed. And now I'm being a little bit passive aggressive with you in other ways. <laughs> that leads perfectly into the <laughs> last point I had about the internal boundaries. So when we're using our internal boundaries, so what we're putting out and what we're letting in, we can take responsibility for our own feelings and stop blaming others for what we think, feel, and do, allowing us to stop manipulating and controlling others. So it's, there's all these different levels. Like if we don't express what we're really thinking and feeling, then we, one example would be mind reading. Well, they should just know. Yes. Yep. That goes back to that dating question. They should just know, you know, dating and sex. But I like what you said about controlling and manipulation because I feel like that's a layer that we don't talk about. Like with boundaries, you always think about where this is this is what I can agree to and this is my boundary and I stop here. But then some people do use those things too. Like you are sometimes manipulating other people. And I don't know if you know it or if maybe it is intentional. I don't know. What do you think? I think it could go both ways. Like it's not just in dating. I think in any relationship, we can just expect that people are going to know how we feel or will be it's like well i want them to know that i'm sad and they didn't know that i was sad and then they said this and so i'm mad at that like it's all this unclear it's Mm -hmm. like we take responsibility for like i feel this or i think this you know within that filter like we're not gonna hopefully cuss someone out but really taking responsibility for our own feelings and stop blaming and controlling and manipulating and that can actually make things a lot clearer and less messy that's mm-hmm. adulting, man. That's like healthy that, adulting. You that know, it is. That's saying like I'm actually angry that you didn't text me back right away when I needed you to, or yeah. I'm actually not okay that you were late for our date, whether yeah. it's a friend or a romantic interest or whatever. It you're right. It's just about owning it. Sometimes owning it is hard too. It is hard, and that's why people <laughs> tend to go back to the mind reading thing. You know, it is hard to own it, but. With healthy, intact, and flexible external and internal boundaries, people can have physical and emotional intimacy when they choose to. So it's like we can be, it's it leads to a more intimate relationship, not just sexual. Yeah. When we can actually be like, you know what, that hurt my feelings when you said that. Or, you know what, like, I really felt, I, I felt really disappointed that we, that we didn't get to do that. Like, people can know us intimately. So even in... The best relationships, like I know a woman, she's been like married for 20 plus years. They have a great relationship. But part of the reason it's great is because they do have those difficult conversations. Yeah. It's like owning this is how I felt. It's really scary to be vulnerable in that, in, in with, like to that degree. Um, 
And I, I do like what you said about like that being a true fostering of intimacy, because I think a lot of times we're taught that intimacy is a lot of things that it's not. Um, and so I eat like sex is intimacy and not necessarily, you know, it depends totally. or but like daring to like show up as yourself and be vulnerable and say something that is like this is an inner thought or an inner feeling. And it may even make me look a little bit silly or maybe a little insecure or maybe I just don't want to admit, you know, whatever it is, you know, but to say I was really looking forward to this and I feel <laughs> that's incredible. I always it's, it's, admire people who can do that, who can show up and say I was really disappointed or I was really sad. Anything that I think sometimes it's the idea that you look weaker or that yes. you, you know, you don't look like you're you don't have the same perception of yourself or you think that they have a different perception of you now. I think sometimes those things really prevent us from being vulnerable and it would increase intimacy. I definitely believe that conflict between people can increase intimacy and kind of create this a better relationship but that doesn't mean it's not challenging to do you know <laughs> totally yeah because it's like we fear the the reaction i think yes from other people oh yeah well if they know i was disappointed then they're gonna they're gonna know that i really care about our relationship where i wanted i wanted them to think that it was like this nonchalant thing yeah, mm, yeah. do you have any thoughts on the need to qualify who you will be really vulnerable with do you think there's something in that or do you think you it's your job to kind of be vulnerable with everyone? everyone? <laughs> well, there you get to the idea of like the flexible boundary. So I think it is good to kind of have a mental list or just when we see that person face to face, like how much are we going to let them in? Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, with some people it could be, you know, they're better out there, so to speak. Yeah. Like with a bigger bubble between us and them because... They're not, they're, we know, well, okay, that person's not very sensitive. Or when I do tell them my, my feelings, they end up like getting pissed off or, you know, it, yeah, I think there are different levels. There, okay, so it's not our meaning the onus isn't on us to just be openly vulnerable with everyone, meaning, <laughs> totally. You know, um, meaning you could, I guess you could say these are my feelings or whatever, but there are levels to it, right? With different people. Right, because if we were, I think sometimes we think, again, going back to people pleasing, like yeah. we think like, well, I should just let everyone see my heart. Or those kind of walls. It's, I don't go too much into walls on this talk, but just briefly, like people use walls of anger, fear, silence, and words instead of boundaries. That's mm. really good. That's, That's really good. So those are like, so walls, some people have walls. Like it, they don't have a boundary, so they have a wall. So... The wall of silence is pretty self-explanatory. I totally understand. So, what because you're of their lack of boundaries, it's that. just they have a wall. Yeah, and wall of words are like those people who just want to intellectualize everything, and they just keep talking over you, and they don't mm -hmm. let you get a word in edgewise, and they're using a wall of words. Mm -hmm. The wall of fear looks like I'm just going to retreat. I'm going to like this old school book. It talks about this lady who just wants to retreat to her VCR to watch old school old movies yeah. on it. Yeah, <laughs> and like so. So wall of fear, yeah, just retreating from life and wall of anger, it's pretty self-explanatory. So, you know, I guess my point is that if that's someone who we know has this wall of words or wall of fear, wall of anger, wall of silence, like we may not want to be as vulnerable with that person because we know they don't really have healthy boundaries. 
So a wall is not the same as a boundary. No, but they can look that way. You might think that person has great boundaries. Like I know this woman, she's got a really, I always thought she's so assertive, but really she has no boundaries. She just, she gets, she's so angry and so vicious that like people, you either just like slink away and don't have a relationship with her or else you just like walk on eggshells around her. So so interesting. That is really interesting. I really like that. It is giving Um, me definitely some food for thought and just how I interact with people people and I, I think i may have a wall or two for times. sure for sure <laughs> i was just like for sure i'm thinking yeah, about him i'm like oh, i have a wall and not boundaries i'm really good for the silence really good for the silence mm. that's interesting mm. yeah a lot of times we have they say partial boundaries or you know certain people we have pretty good boundaries but other people we don't we, we have more of a wall of silence with that person so yeah it's not across the board like it we either changes. have our boundaries or we don't yeah so walls aren't healthy However, we can change that with more awareness and have that actual boundary, which is like, I can tell you how I feel, you know, considering how you might receive this. However, like being true to myself and not just going to silence saying again, it really hurt my feelings when this happened or I I really um, I really value our time together. And when we didn't get to spend it, I I felt let down or rejected. Hmm. So I so admire that. So now that we know the difference between a wall and a boundary, I think my next question is just like, how do you go about setting up boundaries Yeah, and not walls? <laughs> we can be more intentional about setting boundaries by first becoming aware of the places, situations or relationships where we feel uncomfortable. So kind of like we're saying, they're not, it's not across the board. So being more aware, like, oh, I find it hard to set a boundary or, or I seem like I always say yes to this person when I really mean no. Mm. that's one example so becoming aware and then with the new awareness we can grow a new consciousness in which we can actively pause and make decisions about what we let in and out so the awareness leads to new consciousness and then we can begin telling ourselves that we have the right to say no and the right to pause at any time so kind of having these mantras like reminding ourselves okay well i usually say yes when i mean no to that person and and Mm. i think big in our our culture is that we feel like we don't have a right to we that. do that's right if we don't have a right to not right. want to do that or we don't right have a right to say no so like having the kind of mantra and it's not just like say it yeah words. it's like you know really remind yourself wait i do have a right to say no mm-hmm. it's very or, empowering totally what you're saying it's not just you know we're not helpless yeah and, and I, I think knowing that I have a right and that I can pause and the reminder is very helpful to say it's because I think sometimes I'll go into like a victim mode and I see kind of like the direct correlation between like having a fairly healthy self-esteem and having healthy boundaries right because if you put value on yourself and like and the understanding like it is my right to say no I have a right to myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) to my thoughts to my feelings to the people that I allow in my life and why and being able to kind of look at the different relationships in your life I think that can help you kind of identify areas of dysfunction as well I think in areas where I feel less confident if I'm thinking about trends or like in in areas where I may feel less confident those relationships seem to reflect that and so there's a lot more bending and a lot more acquiescing to things possibly because of fear that I'll never have certain things or you know what I mean But that highlights an area that's like, hey, what's going on over there? <laughs> or why 
why do you feel the need or why do you see the repeating pattern of the same type of things and people you know what i mean it's like that's making sense but yeah it's like we can tell ourselves also like we have the right to not like everyone you know it's not like our job we might think oh well i have to like everyone or i have to be nice to everyone and so kind of what you're just saying about like let's say we have a fear that we're never gonna be um married or something and Mm -hmm. so then like you know around guys we tend to like not we tend to be like people pleasing and Mm -hmm. but around you know women who are more it's not a man woman thing but i'm just making up an example like women who are kind of healthier and where we have more intimate conversations with and we know they're trustworthy like i think trust is a big part of boundaries like we if we notice ourselves okay we're better in those situations but around that the guys we we tend to like acquiesce there's that word or Mm -hmm. like or lose our sense of self. I agree with you. I, I just totally. came to the realization that there's this person who I just do not like. <laughs> and it was kind of weird for me. Just, I think oh, I was like, oh, this person gets on my nerves. Oh, this person, blah, blah, blah. But to actually say that I just don't genuinely like someone, it was kind of a hard thing for me. I was like, <laughs> I just don't like you it's just i don't know it, it was something that and i never thought about it being like i'm struggling with the idea of having a right to but you're, you're kind of right it's yeah you don't have to and i'm not talking about someone who's like the president who you don't agree with i'm talking about someone who is relatively close to you and you're like oh i just really really don't like you and it's nice to know that i have the right to do that <laughs> you know no it is for val i i think for valid reason but I don't know. That was just something that I was struggling with this week. So I think we can give ourselves permission. That's that's a good. Mm-hmm. That's a good. I have one additional question for you. Mm-hmm. What is what would you say are the differences in your in healthy relationships between having established boundaries and compromise? Because I think sometimes we can think we're compromising, and it's a complete violation of boundaries like no 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 you know whether it be romantic or whatever like you're totally violating my boundaries Mm -hmm. but i'm saying for the sake of this relationship i'm compromising or vice versa you know where it's you're saying no i have a boundary and there's literally no compromise how how do you know the difference between the two well a boundary doesn't always mean no compromise like sometimes that could actually be a wall sometimes it could be a boundary but um but the nature of boundaries is it's not like a hundred percent yes or no kind of thing. It's like you take in what once what someone else wants or needs. Mm-hmm. You process that and you're like, okay, I'm not I'm making something up. I'm not a big hand holder. Mm-hmm. But this person, like it really means a lot to them if we hold hands. Mm-hmm. Okay, we hold hands with that understanding that like I'm not it's not my go to thing or you know, it's it's a sacrifice I'm making, but that's something we've agreed upon. Or you know, mm-hmm. it's so basically the boundary doesn't have to be yes or no and I and in healthy relationships yeah there's I don't know if I don't know if you'd really call it compromise because compromise is like giving up an idea in a way I like what you said about agreement though maybe talk yeah a maybe we agree more. yeah like we agree not to do that which I, sounds a little different than compromise <laughs> yeah it's because it's like you're not giving something up necessarily you're just <laughs> coming to an agreement Right. That this will work in the nature of your relationship. Right. Versus feeling like you're not. being kind of railroaded. Yeah. Like you, you listen to each other and, and, you know, person A has X, Y, Z needs. And then person A, person B has, you know, ABC needs. And 
there there's a both people take those in and they digest and process that and say okay I want to be in a relationship with this person so even though this person likes to um go to really fancy expensive restaurants and it kind of makes me uncomfortable I'm willing to like go with the understanding that I might be a little uncomfortable Mm. and would you consider is that considered a compromise or is that just an agreement with your boundaries intact I guess that's where I'm saying right does that question make sense I don't know if I'm wording it right I think um no I I feel like you're wording it right but I think her answer is just that you can still have boundaries in place, but you have like the you're two people with boundaries, so something has to give is what you're saying. Well, if you want to be in relationship yeah. with someone, it's not they're not going to have all the same needs, and so a compromise is kind of I picture it kind of like going halfway, meeting me halfway, mm-hmm. or get or okay, fine, we'll compromise and we can go out to those fancy restaurants, but we won't hold hands. Right. Something else. So it's like kind of like giving it up, but having this median versus like yeah. It one person mean. kind of being railroaded. And the thing is, compromise, I don't feel like compromise is a bad word. I do think that there is some there are restrictions that apply to it. And I think that's what makes people like not willing to say it. But I know what you're getting at for sure. <laughs> Just that, you know, sometimes you I might even say like sacrifice. Like there's a sacrifice. You might sacrifice a little bit of yourself. And that feels like stronger than compromise sometimes, you know, like here's what I'm sacrificing and I guess that's what I'm saying like how do you I mean there's there's this kind of stuff right which Uh is the hold handing or maybe our communication methods how Uh you receive love and how I receive you know all of that stuff right and and that is two separate people coming together um but we can also take that sometimes I think a little too far and so when I say oh I'm compromising but there are things that are happening that are very disrespectful in the relation you know what I mean that like ought not be happening what is that you know what I mean well I think there's a list of like absolute like like these are things that i can't compromise on like i can't compromise on you um hanging up on me when we get in a difficult conversation Ooh, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. they're they're not that's like the boundaries again there's some firm boundaries there's some flexible boundaries mm, that's good too. that's good that's really so flexible knowing your firm. firm and hard bound- yeah yeah there's certain like th- those are deal breakers or okay you know like if you drive drunk home from the restaurant like that's not acceptable and, and so if you find yourself compromising <laughs> your hard boundaries that's that's a cause for concern right or that should be a red flag right if you're exactly. saying these are the hard boundaries yeah if you do these then this is a deal breaker for me but then you find yourself <laughs> having those things done to you and you're saying oh i'm just compromising or oh yeah it's those absolutes and if you if you compro- if you quote unquote compromise on the things that you said were like deal breakers then you're not holding your boundary. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. saying like this is a no-go, but then you don't hold it. You're not holding a boundary. And so then what signal does that send to the other person? Yeah. So it still comes back to lack of boundaries. You know. <laughs> it all comes no, back to boundaries. What I am learning in this conversation is that relationships are challenging. No matter yeah. no matter yeah. who it's with, because it's with people, so it's always gonna be a challenge. But I love what you said about firm and flexible because that helps me to understand that one like boundaries can be can be moved back and forth and then what you're willing to like you said compromise on it's like that's something that's within your power to to decide and come to agreement with another person that this is what I'm willing to do right and there are different categories of of boundaries and Mm -hmm. different levels of um flexibility 
and firmness. So not all boundaries are going to be the same. And so protection and vulnerability are are major pieces of healthy boundaries. So yeah, it's, I'm willing to, like we were saying earlier, be vulnerable with you and let you know what my needs and desires are. And I'm not going to expect you to read my mind. And we're going to have some kind of communication around that and understanding between us. And if we're both, if we're both like with our intact, healthy boundaries, then there are going to be some difficult things that are maybe given up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes the relation a healthy relationship so tough because if you're enmeshed with the other person, you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm pretty much, or if you expect the other person to complete you or make you a, you know, that's my quote unquote better half. It's like, if you're just enmeshing yourself with that person, eventually it's going to be a train wreck because we do have things that we expect and need from other people. And if we just give it up because we're like, oh, I need that person to stick around, then eventually we're going to be resentful resentments are one of like the biggest kind of results of not holding your boundaries right and things will be chaotic and it's like there are so many relationships like that so being able to like be that whole person and have the courage to be like you know these this is what hurt my feelings or these these are the things that are deal breakers for me like it's hard because we want to please people and yet those are the relationships that last those difficult conversations and the letting the other person know what our needs and desires mm. are so that's protection and vulnerability like we that's can be good. like we're saying being vulnerable to a certain degree with certain people some people it's like no yeah. <laughs> they have some red flags up that you know i can't it's like gonna be high and that's it and like that's i'm not gonna let that person into <clears throat> into my world any further and i do know people who have had issues with boundaries but not they never really knew that they had issues with boundaries. They just kind of like operated their whole life like this and they felt like, well, that's what a friend does. Mm-hmm. That's what a sister does. That's what a mom or, you know, mm-hmm. what, are, what are some ways that you can identify if you have like no boundaries and you need some? So like, how can you tell? One way is if you feel others are frequently stepping into your life and trying to control or manipulate you. <clears throat> or... If you feel the need to frequently step into others' lives and try to control or manipulate their lives, those are signs of unhealthy boundaries. And would you say like there are some symptoms? Like I said, I didn't read the book about boundaries, but I just knew I was stressed and really unhappy and also disappointed in myself because I felt like I was letting a lot of people down. And so that kind of made me more insecure about like my capabilities and they were just like all this stuff and it was only because i said yes to too many things you know and that leads me into another point (laughs) which some of the symptoms of lack of boundaries lack of boundaries are being unable to say no to other people's requests Mm -hmm. taking on other people's feelings Mm -hmm. for example like people who are addicts or alcoholics it's like they don't own their own feelings so you might find yourself angry around this person when they're like, oh, isn't everything so great? And it's like, you can un- end up unconsciously like taking on other people's feelings. Mm. So when you don't have like really intact internal boundaries. Yeah. Like ability to say, hmm, wait, I feel really angry around that person. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> like what's going on with that? Instead of just like, well, now I feel guilty because I feel angry whenever I'm around that person. And so I have to like, you know, wear this mask of everything's fine when it's not. Mm. So taking on emotions of others, being highly reactive to others' emotions. Mm. So not taking that pause 
Like you might have people in your life where it's like you find yourself just very like things just come out of your mouth right away. Like my brother just like he's had this way to just push my buttons. And I'm like, how come I get so upset about that when it's not really that big of a deal? But it's like depending on that relationship, like we may be more reactive, which is not taking those pauses, not taking Mm -hmm. that space. Mm -hmm. Frequently feeling resentful and taken advantage of, like I was saying. Yeah, I think we can relate to that. I know that rescuing other people. Like, oh, I have to save that person, fix their life for them. I feel like that's be too much. Like, no one asked you to do that. No one asked you to do that. Totally. Why are you doing then you're that? a martyr. Then you're a martyr. And that's the thing. And I know that all too well. And then it's like, and all I do is give, give, give. give. <laughs> and where's the reciprocity? Nobody, Nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> There's the manipulation, right? Yeah. You yeah. better give me some validation. Yeah, but you never see it that way. You never see it as that. You're just like, no, all I'm asking for is a little gratitude. It's so manipulative. (laughs) It's so so interesting. I love that we're unpacking this because it's like you feel like you're being so manipulated by others and abused by others and taken advantage of. And really, it's like you're being manipulated. You're being manipulative as well. Right. Like, I want to be the martyr and just like the person who's always doing or whatever narrative you've told Mm -hmm. yourself. I love people so much. I just just keep. Right. Right. And part of the other issue is like, why aren't you taking the time to focus some of that on yourself? It's true. I'm sure there's some things happening. So you're so focused with everybody else and everybody else's problems. But what about your problems? Why you're out here trying to save people? probably where it gets really challenging. It's like, oh, it's too hard. It's too hard. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know that feeling. It's really good. Yeah, people like, it's like taking on that fixer upper, just, Mm -hmm. just wanting to take on people's lives. And yeah, it's an avoidance of our own stuff and it's manipulative and yeah maybe that person will say thank you and maybe they won't but ultimately we're gonna have to like face our own stuff so Oof. yes unwantedly being in the role of a sounding board yeah so feeling like a certain person is like telling you like way too much or you're you're like always listening to them and then you, you can't really say anything <laughs> or they just stop you what? listen okay so I do this. We're about I to do get this. Some healthy relationships going. Listen, we're about to be so healthy. <laughs> so I do this too, and I think I do. Re- I do recognize that sometimes it's me not verbalizing. I also have a problem talking about myself with other people, and sometimes it's because I've seen, like you said, I'm like, oh, red flag. <laughs> like I don't want to talk about that. But then I'll get into these moods where I will say, oh my gosh, like I've talked to this person like every other day, and we've only talked about them. But I'm always the one that's asking questions. I'm always the one like, well, well, tell me about this, and tell me about this. Do you know what I mean? I think I recognize that, but I would like to get out of that pattern so that I don't feel resentful toward them, you know, because I'm like, oh, no one listens to me, no one cares, blah, blah, blah. And it's so (laughs) interesting because I actually know that that's one of my go-to tactics Mm. is... That's like a self-preservation kind of tactic for me where I very purposely make everything about the other person, like all the questions, all the time. And so I will have some relationships where it's like people are telling me like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. I've never told anybody this in my whole life. And I'm telling you and I am that person. Right. And that person knows nothing. Like when I say nothing about me, like nothing about me. 
it's very interesting and I almost use that as a way to like if foster is that like a wall is that a wall of words? I don't know what it is a wordless wall I don't know what it is but I'm realizing like I'm <laughs> much more comfortable wall. like with you telling me everything about you but there are very yeah. few of my close friends who know my my stuff like if you see me crying or you see me like this happened or that like I've had I have people who are like you're my best friend and and honestly like, I did not know that. they turn around and then they're like wait a second do you have a boyfriend like literally yeah. that's what I mean how little they know about me so it's totally. it's just very I'm realizing that I kind of use that mm-hmm. as a method where they feel very very close to me but I'm very case specific about who I share what with and mm-hmm. and you might very call those boundaries with the perception that people have of me and like managing that do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I want to appear like I have it all together all the time. And oh, I don't want to bore you with my little stuff. Let's talk about you. Like you're much more important than anything I have going on. But it's really just so that I don't have to like engage in the real intimacy or the real like mm-hmm. stuff of the stuff. It's scary. That is scary. It's coming and to I me think, right now. I think sometimes I say that those are boundaries. But they're probably not. <laughs> well, there's a term for marriage therapy. This guy, John Gottman, he's like really famous. You might have heard of him. He has this this term called stonewalling. So it's like stonewalling has like different faces. However, that it's like a defensive move. Mm-hmm. And it is a wall. And it is controlling and manipulating. Mm-hmm. And like I've done that with my stepmother. Like I try to just focus everything on her. And then it's just like it, it's just I don't know. It's it's definitely like a, a defensive move. Mm-hmm. And is it, I don't want to be hurt by you or I just don't want to, like, what do you think? What do you think that it, it's just like being proactive about being defensive? I'm just, it's very interesting. I'm a proactive defender. Right. <laughs> right. I'm proactively defending myself all the time. <laughs> I want to speak, for me, I think it's probably insecurity just because there may be some things that I'm not really willing to share about myself. And then if I'm, if I say those things, it's not necessarily that I'm afraid of them judging me, but like I've already judged myself, Yeah, you know? And so I don't necessarily want to share that piece of me. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's different for a lot of people. Just like, why do you stonewall? You know? Yeah. There's different reasons. I think a lot of times it's, yeah, we've already rejected ourselves. Mm. and we fear that rejection or abandonment by others like this whole there's this whole other category of like being able to own your reality Oof. so it's like when we don't own our own reality it's like being able to express your reality which is like your thoughts feelings and ideas and beliefs to another person without a fearing that they're going to crumble or run away yeah or b that we're going to crumble or run away like that's a huge that's like, relationship like real skill. intimacy. See, yeah. this is all the stuff of like the real intimacy stuff that I think we don't learn. I don't know how you learn this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, as some of it's trial by error, maybe like some of it's self awareness. But I think in our society, we're not taught to be very self aware and to really engage in like this kind of stuff. And so we go, we default to, oh, the chemistry or what I feel or you know, I'm kind of talking about romance here but I mean it could be in any relationship where it's just we default to a lot of tertiary things when really there's like real stuff happening underneath that really impedes true intimacy true vulnerability yes it's like we learn these things like reality and boundaries like from our families yeah and so 
I know like one person who's a therapist and I'm like, man, her daughter gets it really good because she's done all this work on herself and you know, she's helping this girl to own her own reality and set boundaries. However, a lot of us in our generation, which you could kind of loosely yeah. use that term, but like in our families, you know, like my parents are baby boomers. Mm-hmm. Their parents were the greatest generation, the ones that were, right. won World War II. Yes. So they were like totally silent. Go to the grave with your problems. Like my grandpa. Was like there are worse things. There are worse People things. People are dying. Yeah. Starving. <laughs> yes. And like my my parents, like they kind of, you know, they were children of the 60s. So like maybe they kind of like expressed themselves more. But like we're actually the ones to like break out of these patterns. Mm-hmm. Like I think there's this huge kind of movement going on where especially because of so much media it's like one positive part about that is we we are more aware of like gee like maybe i don't want to live with this lifelong pattern of 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 stuff that my family has for generations it's been in perpetuity so it's like my grandma she was born in 1921 like she doesn't she didn't have that luxury to like learn about healthy boundaries same for my grandfather he was born in 21 you talk to him and it's like yeah i got to the fourth grade and was you know just trying to live through the depression so No, I wasn't really. I wasn't out here like, how do you feel about? Right. Right. So we, our children, if we have children, will, you know, we're not perfect. But, you know, the next generation kind of has more of a chance to really be healthier. Yeah. Not like perfect. But, you know, so my point is like, yeah, we do learn these things from our families. And most of our families didn't didn't teach us these things. Or maybe they modeled the opposite. Sure. Maybe they modeled like you really, the other person will abandon you if you tell them your truth. Or mm-hmm. maybe they modeled it that, you know, don't don't tell your truth about how you think or feel to someone else because that might offend them or they might not like you. Mm-hmm. Or like my mother, I used to watch her for hours on the telephone like a martyr, like back before even the cordless phone. The phone with the wall, yeah, wall yeah. connection, <laughs> yeah. and she'd be sitting there and like listening to some lady and she's rolling her eyes and she's making all these expressions. And I was like 11 or 12 going, why doesn't you just get off the phone? Like, <laughs> talk about not modeling healthy boundaries. So, like, so yeah, we have a chance to like learn about this stuff and try to, whether we have kids or not, try to like not yeah. act these out in relationships until mm-hmm. we're 90. That yeah, far. it's the it's the model of the good and bad that we do pick up from our family. And I think we have the luxury of being able to like identify patterns and dysfunctions, maybe because we have a little more comfort. There are no world wars happening. Like yeah. there's a lot of things where it's like maybe I don't know. But I do think you hit on a really good point, which is just saying like the things that you know you can identify. Like I know the really great things I picked up from my family and I know the things that I'm like, oh, yeah, like this is how we kind of tend to operate. And there was a really big I would say it's a generational thing where it's just like you have some trauma happen to you, you have some drama happen to you, you have some very crazy things happen and it's like you keep it to the grave, you don't tell other people, you don't talk about it, like that's just not something you do and you suck it up and it was that whole like crying about it isn't going to do anything, <laughs> like you you deal with it, right? So even the fact that I think we have access to, and everybody has, but like therapy or talking to people who are mental, you know, really, really being concerned about our mental health because it's a big deal, our feelings and our emotions. And mm-hmm. in the same way we would go to the doctor if we had a broken leg, it's important to like be managing what's going on in this brain and our emotions and how it affects our relationships. So I was kind of hoping you were going to say the whole, if you have a broken leg, you go to the doctor. You were? Yeah, I was like, it's important. She says that. It's important. Um, yeah. On the flip side of that, my mom and her family went through a lot of trauma as well. And because of the trauma that happened to them, my mom was very open with me, like, 
from a young age yeah. and was always like talk yep. about this yep. you bring it out you she was very much about it was interesting she was very much about respecting your expression I mean, she was also a mom, so she was like, sure. to an extent. To an extent. But <laughs> I, I, that's something that I've openly practiced with my husband. Or I should say not openly, but actively practiced with him. And we had conversations about like just how I would express myself versus how he would express himself. So you have like those two different belief systems coming together and trying to you know, deal with our boundaries and, and work out our relationship. So our... One of the boundaries that our family practiced was just like the things that happen within your family stays in your family. Even though we were open about like with each other and dealing with this mm-hmm. and dealing with that, mm-hmm. there was a certain thing of like, don't tell other people like the stuff that's happening to uh, this is a fa- this is family business, yes. you know? Yes. Um, and I do think that that it took me a while to realize that that does hinder it hinders you in other relationships as far as like being able to be vulnerable with people. And knowing that, like, that's a connection. One of the things we like with our podcast is, like, being able to hear other people being able to hear themselves in the podcast and be like, oh, yeah. Like, identifying with things that we've gone mm-hmm. through or that some of our guests have gone through and, like, seeing ourselves reflected in, like, media. Um, it's, like, so important. And I think that breaking through or breaking out of some of those thinking patterns that sometimes your family puts you in is really Important. It's really important to do and kind of defining mm-hmm. what you were going to do from from now on. Like, I think that's a really big part of, you know, figuring out what your boundaries are and becoming more self-aware. And so guys, really cool if you that. feel like you need therapy of some sort, <laughs> I do want to say this because it's really important. You know, Jay and I have both had the benefit of like having, I think, you know, my mom was the same way and so was my dad with allowing because of some of the trauma that they experienced it was very much like do we need to get you into therapy do you need to talk to somebody like this is okay and this is healthy and i do really think it's important that if you find yourself struggling with things that you are not handling well or you feel like you need someone to talk to sometimes the help it's so healthy to go talk to an outside person yeah who is not your mom or who is not your family who is not your friends who Mm -hmm. is not biased and who can give you some practical it is I just think it's very healthy, scientific, scientific, (laughs) like it works. It is. Right. And there's a lot of, I know sometimes in certain communities, there's a lot of stigma with therapy and with counseling and with certain things where it's like. Because it's family business. Because it's family business or it's I'm not crazy or it's it's we're just going to pray it away. And I think that all prayer is a great tool. Talking with your family and managing things, great tool. All of those things are great tools. But therapy is also an amazing tool to have in your arsenal. So, and Kirsten does a lot of faith-based and, and therapy. Care, yes, and there are people who do faith-based therapy. If you yeah. want to tell us just a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so it's, so faith-based therapy, it's not the only thing that I yeah. provide. I was trained secularly, as you could yeah. say. Um, however, with clients who are open to it, like I incorporate prayer and biblical principles into the sessions. So, you know, as I'm processing and digesting what the client's sharing, like I might offer something not not just like quoting the bible but like oh well that fits in with this principle yeah that's very helpful it's very helpful and guys (laughs) just quoting the bible that just goes to say that (laughs) you can find people you know i think a lot of times there's this idea that like if you're going to a therapist 
you know, sometimes we vilify science and we vilify the whole, like, I don't need that and that can't necessarily fold in with my faith and, and I don't know you- what being a Christian looks like and I'm having someone talk to me and, you know, there's yeah. a lot of things. There's a lot of road barriers that some of us can have getting to being open to therapy and talking to someone. So this she's just a great example. And not that you have to be a believer or they have to be Christian, but just understanding that you can find a therapist who's a great fit for you and who models your principles and your beliefs. And it can really be a beautiful marriage. And I just really think it's a very healthy thing to explore. I think everybody can benefit <laughs> from therapy. Everybody. Totally, yeah. It's my personal opinion, but I really, it has helped me monumentously in my life. And I know, Drea, you know, you're a big proponent of mental health and just emotional health as well. So, yeah, like you said, the stigmas, like I think, yeah, I share with clients that, yeah, I think almost everyone (laughs) can benefit from therapy at some point in their life. And it doesn't mean you're crazy. Like there's this old school belief in certain cultures. You want to see who? Yeah. You're crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, no, it's not for cr- crazy people. It's to like help you walk out like whatever stage of life you're in. And mm-hmm. pre- it's like none of us comes out unscathed. That's right. That's we true. most have have something from our childhood that is hard. It's not like, oh, poor me. Uh. It's But it's about the present. It's like about how, did, how is that reflected in our current relationships? And so like one part of like training as a therapist was that I I learned how to identify like patterns and themes in people's lives. Or even that you said something that made me think about just the idea that, well, I'm not crazy or, oh, that, you know, I'm fine. Nothing really happened. You know, like there's this whole idea that maybe what happened to you wasn't as important. Um, you might compare yourself to like someone else who seemed to have like a very traumatic experience. And so I think sometimes that will hinder us from going to therapy too, just kind of comparing our stories and saying, oh, well, you know, it wasn't that bad. I mean, it could have been worse. Totally. And that's a defensive move of like, Mm. of the ego Mm. to say, oh, that's where we can always find something that's worse. That's so true. No matter what you do. No matter what. You can't. Totally. Mm -hmm. And, and so that, yeah, it's just a defensive move. And, mm-hmm. and I think the important thing is acknowledging what is true for you. Mm-hmm. Like, not just like, oh, well, he didn't really, the man didn't really molest me, he didn't have sex with me. It's like, okay, you know, that. You were touched inappropriately. Right. And then how has that impacted you? <laughs> and how you? has that impacted you? Like, mm-hmm. our, and so yeah. that's what it comes down to is how did it impact you? And it's not the same for everyone also. Yeah. Like they, there are studies like different people going through the same type of trauma might have a different reaction. And the, the reaction of the family has a lot to do with how, how the trauma affects the person later. Wow. Like if there's a little kid, like two or three, you know, that gets molested, like some people think, oh, they won't remember. And it's like, no, they will remember like in their bodies, but a lot of it has, did the family give them help? Did the family understand? Mm-hmm. Did they not believe them? And so Right, they, did they brush under the rug? Did they pretend it didn't happen? Wow. So that, yeah. it's, 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 it's very, it's not the same across the board. Mm-hmm. However, each person is impacted by whatever their experiences are. You know, maybe someone wasn't like bullied outright or, you know, made to feel bad, but they just, people like excluded them. And yeah. that maybe that could feel as painful as, as people calling them names. So you really can't make assumptions. And yeah, I think there's a lot of that out there that it is a defensive move, like I said. So that's why I think it's important that we get to share stories like when yes. you can be vulnerable and yes. you feel like you have the power to be vulnerable, share the sharing stories, social media, whatever it is that you use 
to do that, it helps people to understand that they're not alone. And I think that's like a big part of why we started this podcast, because like you are not the only one. Nope. So I think <laughs> being introverted and is one of the reasons I tend to say like, oh, no one. Am I the only one that thinks like this? Am I the only? I must be the only person. And I tended to to do that when it came to different experiences in my life or beliefs or whatever. And then you just talk to other people and you, you find out when you when you do have that close relationship. Oh, wait. You do? There are other people out there. <laughs> you do. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. So, I don't know. There's um, yeah, a lot of meat there just to be able to kind of validate yourself and say, okay, this is a real thing and it impacted me no matter how it impacted other people. So I like that you're calling attention to the fact that everybody's different and there's different reactions to everything we don't always give people that luxury to yeah. have a different reaction and there are also those commonalities mm-hmm. and that's part of the reason why you know even though everyone's impacted differently like it's so great when people hear oh i wasn't the only one it is so that's great right. when that happens <laughs> that's part of the ego too oh i was the only one yeah Her. oh yeah that's mm-hmm. true mm-hmm. And that's part of the you power you should be a therapist <laughs> <laughs> you're really good at this wow Kirsten, talk to us about what we should do when someone violates our boundaries. I'm going to go over five practical ways that you can implement boundary setting in your day-to-day life. And so since we've already discussed partly or touched on these, hopefully uh, they'll make a little more sense given the context of our conversation. Mm -hmm. So number one, you can imagine a bubble around your personal space and a filter inside of you. So a bubble around you, a filter inside of you where you can catch and pause to reflect on thoughts, feelings, and behaviors of others and yourself. When reflecting on others' requests, we can say something like, I'll get back to you on that. I need some time to consider that. Or that's an interesting question. I need to give it some thought before I answer. Conjuring up an image of an object, character, or person to help us set a boundary. Some examples are a cactus, a cartoon character, or anything that can offer you strength where you may feel wobbly, shaky, or unsure. When your boundaries are challenged, you can visualize this image. Make a list of any roles or activities in which you feel used or taken advantage of or resentful about and identify where you may have said yes when you meant no. Imagine yourself speaking the truth about this situation and notice what emotions come up. Then journal about the way that these emotions came about, such as shame or powerlessness about saying no and connect them to dynamics in your family of origin. Make a list of emotions you take on in a situation or in a relationship, such as with an addict who doesn't take responsibility for their own feelings. Imagine yourself brushing these feelings off of you. And I know you can't see, so it's kind of this, like brushing them off, literally getting them off of our body. And so if you must be in a situation where you tend to take on others' disowned feelings, imagine yourself with a protective bubble around you where you can begin to catch others' feelings and ideas. And you can decide what, if any, of these feelings are ideas that you want to take on. 
You may need to visualize additional layers to protect yourself, such as additional layers of bubble wrap around your bubble. You can imagine yourself sending these unwanted feelings, thoughts, or behaviors back to the other person like a white light. You send these back not as an act of anger, but rather as an act of self-love. Well, this was really an amazing conversation and I know you guys are listening and maybe you're jogging, maybe you're cleaning, who knows what you're doing, but you know I'm a fan of the Jewels and there were so many in this episode Um, and you may not have had time to grab a pen or a notebook. So if that is you, you can (laughs) go to our website right now and download our notes from the show. They will include a special list that Kirsten put together, which includes the list of violations and the ways that she just described for you to begin setting up boundaries in your life right now. And you can make some better decisions and identify if you are the one out there manipulating people (laughs) or putting up walls. So, yeah, let's get healthy together, guys. We really want to know what you thought about this talk, Dre and I got so much from it, and we want to hear what your thoughts are. So please share them with us. Uh, You can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spin the Bottle Podcast, or shoot us an email at ddspinthebottle at gmail.com. And if you're interested in checking out my website, you can find me at kcarlmft.com. And spelled out, that's my first initial K. My last name, Carl, C-A-R-L, and the letter M like Mary, F like Frank, T like Thomas. So it's kcarlmft.com. I'd love it if you'd come and visit my website. Do it. For yourself. (laughs) 2017. 2017. (laughs) Okay, guys, it's time for another spin. Let's do a quick recap. Currently crushing, like we said, we just want you to know what we love. I feel a way because we feel a way about some things. (laughs) Clearly. We have opinions. Clearly. It's important that you hear them. Black cinema, brown skin, making the silver screen amazing. Hypothetically speaking, we have our favorite shows and characters, but sometimes they just be tripping, and we have to let y'all know. P.S. There may be some spoiler alerts. (laughs) For your consideration, we love things. We love creativity. We love books. We love music. You know, for your consideration, you should listen to this too. And mom. Well, actually, we don't have mom. Because we answered that in the last spin. So, did. so that's coming we off the so wheel. Did. Sometimes I forget. Okay, let's spin that bottle. Hypothetically speaking. Don't you love when we get excited together? I know, I know, I know, I know. We love this spin. Okay, one. so because we have a guest, as you know, we let our guest answer the second spin. So, Kirsten, do you have any advice for some fictional characters? Well, the movie Girl on the Train. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, perfect. There are a lot of shaky or non-existent boundaries in that movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like not one character really has they're solid all, boundaries. They're all bad. They're all bad. Don't take any advice from any of those Don't characters. take any <laughs> advice from any people on Girl on the Train. And so Rachel. Yeah, that was the main girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Emily Blunt played her. Yeah. She took on a lot of shame in that movie and so one example is when she blames herself 
for her husband losing his job. And it's basically because she blacks out. And so she thinks she has so much shame about blacking out. She thinks, oh, well, I have to just take that on. Yeah. Like, I have to mm-hmm. take his wrongdoing on. And so that's just one example. Yeah. Of poor and his wrath. Movie. And he was like hitting her during her blackouts. <sighs> and like, come to find that out, movie is... she was blacking out. But that was the only thing but that was happening. Was, she was, was like taking her. a nap and yeah. he was doing all kinds of other things. Oh, my so. gosh. Just insane. So you have you have her taking on the shame of her addiction, mm-hmm. which was the alcohol. Mm-hmm. Then you have the wife putting up all these picture perfect pretenses, and that wasn't good. And she violated a boundary by like being in an adulterous relationship and stealing somebody's husband. Mm-hmm. Then you have him who just violated boundaries all around. <laughs> and then you have the neighbor who also didn't have boundaries. So I think this is perfect, Kirsten, because it's a, like, this is yeah, a this is a really example good, of super good what example. not to do. He was like, okay, would you call him a sociopath or would he be a psychopath? Like, how would you? Well, the In the DSM, which is like the actual diagnostic and statistical manual, like sociopath is, sociopathic personality disorder is is the actual technical term oh, like okay. a psychopath okay. isn't it's kind of like a oh. common language oh. usage good to, know. good to know so sociopaths part of what they're lacking is any empathy with other people Definitely. or even animals not all sociopaths kill people like i'm not aware of that being a technical you know again it might be a common language yeah yeah, yeah. Thing, but in, in actuality i think that there's a spectrum of people with sociopathic personality disorder. And you're, so you're saying psychopaths have nothing. That's just a lingo term. That's not any, even anything that's like you wouldn't diagnose someone as a psychopath. Right. Got it. So our guy in the movie, do we think he was a sociopath? Or yeah. A narcissist? <laughs> yeah. I think he definitely meets the criteria. <laughs> so he does a really good job of covering up. and Yeah. And didn't so care at all. Look. There was no empathy whatsoever. It's like Ted Bundy, right? The classic serial killer. Like he would go around acting nice. Like, oh, can I help you with that? Or yeah. people would feel sorry for him. And people would say, oh, he was such a nice guy. That's what everyone Gosh, says about. So <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it goes back to early attachment um, with the mother. No, so they need to have like a spin-off movie. For me like to a, ask as I'm dating, sequel? like, what's your <laughs> attachment situation with your mother? Is what I want to know. They look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> what? And there's a genetic component, like that really I was about. Yeah, like there was this guy and his family, like his grandfather had killed someone, and like they did a brain scan on the grandfather, and then like a brain scan on the guy, and like he, this guy wasn't a psych- sociopath, like he he just didn't he didn't do anything in that category and so but they saw that his brain had that common characteristic and so he had like a much healthier upbringing and so like the theory is it's like genetics and a combination like a lot of things probably are like you know that term epigenetics no No, it's like above each like gene on the on the string of dna or whatever rna there's like a light switch and that light switch may or may not be turned on or partially due to experiences. Wow. Dun, dun, like, dun. <laughs> oh yeah. That's incredible. You got to start talking to your family. That's what we're saying. <laughs> oh my gosh. Guys, it's so important. Oh, okay. That's a great hypothetically speaking. <laughs> okay, people, let us know what you want to hear on the wheel. If you have an excellent idea for a spin topic, 
email us, tag us on IG, or um, DM us. Let us know what you are thinking. We want to know. It's time for... Why do, why do I put on my game show voice? It's time for... Remember Family Feud? Uh, yeah. Wow. Remember, it's still going strong. We had a Nintendo version. Yeah. <laughs> I love playing that. Okay, it's our very favorite time. You ready, Drea? Okay. Recent revelations. Oh, we get better every single week. You say that every single week. Because <laughs> it's true. Thanks for believing in us. Okay. Are you ready or you want me to go first? You go first because I actually forgot mine on the way over. Okay, no problem. Um, You're probably going to be mad at me. Because Why? I may be stealing your recent revelation. No, probably not. Because we may have had the same one. But mine is about Beauty and the Beast. Um, <laughs> and so the live version of Beauty and the Beast is out right now. And we all know it's a tried and two trail. So... There's a curse on the prince. He becomes a beast. And the curse can only be broken if the woman falls in love with him. Obviously, it's the whole beauty yes, is yes, yes. bigger than skin. We know this well, just for people who may not okay. know. So I saw something on Facebook and it really got me thinking, which was if the roles were reversed, I don't think this would ever work out. Like if it was a very handsome prince and the woman had a curse on her. And she was just very not attractive. Would he fall in love with her heart and break the curse? And I would not be as optimistic about that happening. Hmm. Which made me sad. So the recent revelation was, I don't think this would work on the flip side. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? If you were considering a part two. Wait, I just don't think it would work. I think mm. she would just not be saved, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Which is very sad piggybacking on our beauty and body image episode <laughs> i just think you know it's one of those like kind of just had a moment where you were like hmm. <laughs> oh like Belle wouldn't have got saved if that was Belle and all in all of her gloriousness and she had a curse on her i just think it wouldn't have worked out for her wah, wah, wah. but why wouldn't it worked out for her i just don't think a guy would if she looked like a beast Mm-hmm. Be like, you know what? I want to get to know you better, and so it doesn't matter. <laughs> let's let's work this out. Let me see. Tell me about your life. You like books? Let's talk about. I just feel like it would not work out that way. Okay, what's your recent revelation? Okay, so my recent revelation is that apparently we are not the only ones going through this adulting problem. It's not just us. It's in fact our entire generation is coming to terms with the fact that life only gets harder as it goes on. As much as we've tried to be optimistic about the future and excited about what each day brings, each day brings another pile of mess to deal with. There are bills, and as you heard me say earlier, taxes. (laughs) Okay? Pay your taxes. Taxes. There's like governmental conspiracies that are real the more i hear about things like the flint water crisis and the missing girl the more i start to think we are really living in gotham (laughs) we're living in gotham and nobody told us (laughs) that gotham city was real and the the worst part right it's not fair (laughs) the worst part about living in this gotham city is that we don't have a batman 
where is our Batman? Your recent revelations always take a little bit of a somber turn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Recent revelation, Andrea is actually a pessimist. Andrea so, Doomsday. No, but it's, it's interesting you say Doomsday this. Doomsday Drea. Doomsday Drea. But I Sometimes. was watching um, Dave Chappelle's new stand-up last night mm-hmm. on Netflix, and he was saying something about like the generations that we're, we kind of came from and talking about the way of the world and just how he was talking about the things that we grew up on. And I'm going to I'm going to make this really quick. But he basically was like, we grew up in a generation where we watched cartoons like Care Bears. But we were Care taught, Bears. Yeah. So when we were taught that it is important sharing to care. Is caring. Sharing character. Accept people Accept as people. they are. If someone grumpy. has a problem, you care. And, and you then, talk about it. And you talk about it. And then when things get really evil, you like you you share your love and it all wins and it all overcomes. And so he was talking about how disillusioned we all have been on the other side of this finding out like, oh, you can't love people. You can't just love somebody and like care. Listen, I have this conversation with people all the time. I was like, Sesame Street is not real life. It's not as much as you have like all these wonderful different characters and all this representation and everybody loves each other. Life is not. You're special just for being you. It's true. Just for being you. <gasps> Speaking true. of Sesame Street, they just introduced their first new um, character who's going to be autistic. Of it. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's wonderful. And they're going to welcome her to Sesame Street, and it's going to be awesome. And and, and that's this- great. And then you're going to go. You're going to wake up. You're going to go outside, and there's still going to be discrimination. <laughs> And you're gonna say reality bites. <laughs> I'm just telling but you. But we can be a part of the solution. Care Bear Stare <laughs> is what I'm saying. But no, I I totally believe that we can be a part of the solution. But I'm not saying that it isn't a challenge. I'm not saying that it isn't a challenge. And I, <laughs> yeah, I I do wonder if adults, when we were kids, if adults complained as much about being adults as this generation does we talk about adulting like it's a thing like i have seen (laughs) in our own burbank library down the street classes on adulting 101 yeah now they talk about adulting in terms of like this is how you pay your bills i'm like what happened to our generation or what happened to millennials that they don't know how to pay bills like that's that's kind of a basic when i think of adulting i'm thinking of like the emotional stress <laughs> i cannot stay hydrated enough i have to take care of myself i have to eat well i feel like there are so many things that you have to do that to that goes into being an adult Pay reality my bites not. man yeah no, reality right. bites and i honestly think we Just, have been so inundated with information i don't think our parents before this had the internet there's so much information and maybe about that's what it is what you're supposed to also our parents were like like my mom had me when she was like 23 or 24 and she was married i don't Never. even know so maybe she grew up early they, I just feel like our parents were grown at like 22. That's awesome. Yeah, they were different. doing very grown things. Like mm-hmm. my mom was. But they also didn't like doing those grown things for a while. I'm just saying they. Mm-hmm. it was more of a way of life. Like you're in college and then you get married and you start doing grown things, period. Like you just do. You just, just an adult. Whereas now we're like, what's my purpose? What's What do I, what do I really care about? I'm going to major in something I really love. What does that look like? And 11 years later, you're still trying to figure out your degree, like Mm. me, where I'm just like, I've taken so many classes and so many things, and I'm just like, but I love so many things. I don't know. I love it all. Our parents parents were like survivors of the Depression. They were survivors. Right. We have a lot more. We've had a lot more areas to grow into and we're getting married much later and having kids much later. average so age is like 40 now to have a kid i don't know listen, anyone in their 20s or even 30s who and, and i was just talking to my friend about this the other day i am 35 years old and 
I'm happy and I love my life and there's so many things, but I am at this age on the fence about both marriage and kids. Yeah. Like on the fence. I could do without it. <laughs> and the thing is about that is I'm acting like I just have 20 more years to figure out certain things and biologically right you're, you're clearly <laughs> making like, a choice yeah. well yeah. i mean you know what i mean it's just very interesting to me that even at this stage in my life and i don't feel like i'm old or anything like that i would love to be in love and if marriage works then that would be awesome but it's not like it's not a make or break thing if that makes sense and that's totally. you know that's people are like so when do you think you want to figure that out <laughs> like you you don't you're not 20 the point i was making about our parents becoming adults really quickly because i do think like my mom had me when she was 21 yep but i think they always taught us that we needed to have options sure make choices did. because i don't think they enjoyed the doing and options they didn't have maybe they didn't have they just did it it was just something that they did and they didn't think about it and i think that the reason why we want all this choice but also are suffering with all the choice is because they taught us you need to Think about what you want to do with your future and it has to be something that you love because they just did stuff because they had to. You know what I mean? And so a lot of a lot of it comes from them. But then it also, like you said, like there's technology, there's cultural influences. But a lot of the reason a lot of the for real, a lot of the reasons that we have (laughs) issue with it is because our parents were just kind of like, listen. Don't be like me. Don't be unhappy in your job. Well, they were all duty and discipline. Don't get married too early. Don't have kids before you want to. And we're like, like, yes, yes. And then we went completely to the other side. To the other side. Now we're like, wait, I haven't done anything that I actually wanted to do. But get a job at some point or get a career or graduate or get married or have babies like i think we're just so now you see our problem our problem is that we just have too many choices we need to just so many choices bring it on down okay guys we're all gonna make it is the moral i don't want you to be depressed it'll be okay but there's no batman is what i want you to know drea i'm sorry i'm just gonna that's what i that's how i feel in reality bites (laughs) (laughs) take it from generation x Well, we did it, guys. <laughs> All done. It was a great show. We did it. I'm so proud of all of our, you know, willingness to take on healthy adulting. We're going to do it. Boundaries. Yeah. Healthy we're adulting. Do yes, we're doing it. Taxes. We're doing we're it gonna together. We're going to those generation uh, Ys or Igens. Zs or wherever. Whoever's, whoever's next. next. I don't whoever's know. It'll be okay. No idea who these okay. people are. It's Even if you're okay. 35 or 37. It's going to be okay. <laughs> haven't done their taxes yet. It'll be okay. That's Just, the message, guys. It's all going to be all right. You. Regardless what? of what Jay is telling us. <laughs> She's nodding her head no. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> you already know. There's no Batman. There's no Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. We'd uh, like to thank our mamas. Hey, mamas. Thank you. Mom. And of course, we want to thank our wonderful guest, Kirsten Carl. Thank you for thank coming. Thank you for coming. Oh, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Jared Johnson, our just everything everything okay jared cover it all you're the real mvp and thank you guys for listening johnson's out